feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we may be hours away from President Trump being indicted. There are reports that are coming out uh, that it could happen on Wednesday. And this, to me, would be absolutely stunning and a huge disappointment for this country and our justice system. Everybody, welcome to the Rita Cosby Show tonight. We're going to be taking your calls about that. We're going to be talking your calls about all the security that is beefed up around this country in New York, D.C., uh, also, of course, in Florida and many places around this country in preparation for what may be an indictment coming again within hours. And also, by the way, later on in this hour, we have a blockbuster show tonight. Uh, we have an interview with Robert Costello uh, that I did earlier today. As many of you know, I also host Cats and Cosby, which I have the lucky fortune to do with great businessman John Katsimatidis. And it's 5 to 6 o'clock, the number one show on WABC at that time in New York, the big top show. And during that hour, we talked to Robert Costello. Now, Robert Costello is the witness that the Trump team basically said, you got to talk to this guy. He actually represents, at one point, Michael Cohen. So he was a former attorney for Michael Cohen, and he poked so many holes through Michael Cohen's testimony. And he basically said, Robert Costello, that Michael Cohen is a liar, uh, that he can prove it, that he has a whole bunch of emails, that he said the grand jury, before he went in and testified for two hours, they were not aware of these emails that they had only seen like six different emails and texts. And he had more than 300 of them that put, he says a lot of this in context. And he also said what Michael Cohen told him at a time where he says, Michael Cohen was basically suicidal and was clearly speaking what he believes was the truth. And it is a very different version than he says the grand jury is getting now. So he came in basically at the request, basically the Trump team and others said, you got to go in. And he went in and testified before the grand jury this week, spoke to them for two hours. And this is a guy, he's a former federal prosecutor. He used to be with the Southern District of New York, certainly a very credible guy, well-known attorney. And he says, Michael Cohen flat out is a liar. And that this grand jury should not base any decision based on Michael Cohen. That's according to Bob Costello. He says he was able to prove it. He was able to show it to them. He's not sure how much of an impact it had, whether it changed their mind. But he does believe that it rattled the jury, that a number of the jurors were kind of visibly surprised and shaken sort of to see uh, the comments that he was making different than what they had heard before that. And also, he says that he believes by him going in and providing that testimony under oath and being a very credible witness, that it may have at least delayed the impeachment. 
maybe stopped it. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but at least put a delay and at least gave them some thoughts as to maybe there's more to the story than what Michael Cohen was presenting. So you have to stay tuned for that. We are going to play a blockbuster interview later on in this hour with Bob Costello, who was the key witness, again, who went before the grand jury, the Bragg grand jury, and he said that they were trying to kind of cut him off, didn't want him to say, and he was like, no, 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 you got to hear this. This is what I know to be true. Here are the facts And here's why he said he was able to back many of them up. So let's see if he is going to be the final witness. There are reports that there may be one more witness tomorrow. And if indeed there is one more witness tomorrow, an indictment still could come as early as tomorrow, potentially tomorrow afternoon. So what are your thoughts as we are what is truly on the precipice of what I think a very sad chapter in American history. If we go down this road where we decide as an American society to go after a former president for something that is usually never, ever charged, even if you look on the face of it, this business deal and the way that it went into a business account and all these other things, if you look at it, it's a minor misdemeanor. And normally, if the person's last name wasn't Trump, They would never be charged. And yet in this case, it appears that this district attorney pushing this grand jury with the information that he's providing looks like he is going full steam ahead, Uh, looks like he is headed towards an indictment and not just a misdemeanor, that he's trying to couple it with another charge and make it thereby a felony under New York state law. So to me, this is a very sad chapter. If we're at a place where even a former president can't be protected with equal rights under the Constitution. We are in a very sad place. And also, we have now opened a can of worms that we will not be able to put back in. Because the minute you go down this road and you say that something as minor as this is what you're going to go after a former president for, well, then all bets are off. I mean, this is a really scary place to go down. You've got a former president. There's a lot of different investigations out there. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the fact, look at some of these other things that they're investigating Trump for. Whether you think that they're justified or not, do you think it really is smart for even America and the Democrats, by the way, to use this case as basically the one to charge President Trump? It just, to me, looks so transparently political. It looks so transparently charged, weaponizing the justice system. This, to me, is an outrage that every American should say, enough. Everybody deserves equal justice, equal rights, fairness, both sides. You should not be calling somebody in just because you don't like them politically and just because they're running for president. That sounds to me like we're in Russia. That sounds to me like we're in Cuba. That sounds to me like countries that are not America. This country is built on democracy and equal rights for everybody. And as some of you have aptly said, a president should not be above the law, but he certainly shouldn't be below the law. And this clearly looks like a political hatchet job by a DA who just doesn't like this president 
and clearly has some political ambitions, clearly, I think, is in touch with some higher-ups at the White House and elsewhere. And it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. And I think no American who cares about rights and fairness should be happy with this decision. What are your thoughts tonight as it looks like President Trump may be indicted in a matter of hours? There are a word, a number of reports out there saying that it could happen tomorrow, uh, that he would still not be arraigned technically. In other words, you know, have to show up and be processed and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, the fingerprinting and the, you know, the mugshots and all that other stuff, that that would not happen until next week. But that an indictment, the actual indictment coming down, being handed down, could happen as early as tomorrow. And guess what? This grand jury is leaking left and right. It is one of the biggest leaking grand juries I have ever seen or biggest leaking district attorney's office that I have ever seen because you're not supposed to know about any of this. And we're seeming to like get a play by play. We're getting more play by play of this grand jury. It seems uh, than an NFL game. So how is that justice? Doesn't this sure sound like they are just out to get president Trump, even on a frivolous charge and Democrats be careful what you wish for. This could backfire big time. And I think this will embolden President Trump. We're hearing tonight that President Trump is basically saying if this is to happen, he's not going to be sort of snuck in a back room or do any of these things uh, that he will actually do a walk that he said, quote, this is coming from a source close to Trump. There are reports saying that if it is going to happen, uh, then he wants it to be made public. He doesn't want this to be sort of sneaking in a back room or hiding or anything. He wants people to see it in the daylight for what it is. And I think this will definitely hurt the Democrats. It will hurt America. And I think this is a sad moment in American history. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. Al, your thoughts about this. Yeah, hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say, you know, it would be really a terrible thing if the former president is indicted. Uh, but, you know, his his supporters, uh, you know, we're going to act civil. We're going to take the high road, unlike our political adversaries who, who don't do that. And I hope in the future, uh, you know, the silent majority will see that the president, the former president, is getting a bum deal here. And hopefully... Uh, Things will work out in the future. You know what's sad, Al? And I'm glad to hear also, by the way, that about the calm, because that is important. Yeah. The last thing you want, there are reports of, of a bomb threat. It turned out to be, yes. thank goodness, unfounded um, in New York at the district attorney's office sure. and elsewhere. Um, but what is sad is what you said that sort of let it play out. And I agree, that is the way to go, for sure. I'm not disagreeing with you. Where I am saying is how sad that you're going to basically drive a president through all of this, know. you know, Terrible. former president as he's running again, and then you're going to have him like have to testify and do this and do that um, and go through the rigmarole where I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, it will get thrown out, but who knows yeah. how many months later and how many millions of dollars later, Al? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's, they, they can't, they're relentless. Uh, they've impeached him twice when he was president. Uh, they just don't give him any peace. 
but uh, he's a strong person. He'll prevail. The American, the silent majority sees uh, what's going on here, and uh, hopefully things work out in the future. Yeah, let's hope so. Al, thank you very, thank you. very much. Let's go to Mario, line eight. Mario, your thoughts of where this is headed. My best to the Polish princess. This is an absolute disgrace, my love, an absolute disgrace. An American veteran in a wheelchair with a service animal outside Port Authority was accosted by a thug, and he put his shopping cart between him and ready to brand the guy, and he was telling get just get the hell away from me. The idea is, where were the police? Where was Bragg? Concentrate on the thugs being, and pushing people in front of the subways, Bragg. You're a disgrace. Adams is a disgrace. Clean up the city and stop doing this disgrace to one of the best presidents who helped veterans more than any president combined going back to Reagan. This is a waste of time and it's tearing the country apart. And I hope it blows up in their faces. And I hope it Trump DeSantis in a year and a half. You know, Mario, first of all, thank you for calling me the Polish princess. I love that. Um, you know how proud I am of my Polish heritage. I um, I hear what you're saying because it is a disgrace. And you think about all the taxpayer money uh, that is going towards funding this investigation and all the time. And you brought up a great example. I mean, you've got, you know, a disabled veteran um, who's accosted. There have been all these cases, even in the just last few days in New York. Sadly, it's like every single day there's some like horrible beatdown uh, of some innocent, you know, person who's either on the subway or walking down the street or in a wheelchair. And he doesn't do anything. He allows that to happen. And this guy has been one of the softest DAs, I think, in American history. George Soros funded, no surprise. It's the same camp as Gascon and some of these others. And yet he doesn't seem to care about that. And yet he's going after something that's improperly filed on a business issue. Uh, This is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And it's sad because just like you said, I wish he had the same energy that he has going after President Trump as he does going after the thugs that are committing crimes over and over again. And not only is this bad for Trump, it's bad for New York. It's bad for America. Great points, Mario. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. one 800 This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And just a little bit ago, Alina Haba, who is one of President Trump's main attorneys, had this to say as we may be on the precipice of a historic indictment of a former American president. This is what she said to had to say about President Trump. I can speak to what I think everybody in the country is waking up to, which is that uh, former President Trump and possibly future President Trump has been completely unfairly treated. This is a politicization, politicization of our justice system. And I think it's a frightening time for our country, frankly. Uh, If Michael Cohen is a key witness, as we're hearing, if they're getting debunked testimony from other people, uh, this is speaking for itself. And and I I hope that everybody's eyes are open. Uh, It would be a very, very grave mistake for them to indict President Trump. And then Alina Haba was asked, how is President Trump holding up right now? 
You talk to Mr. Trump every day, maybe multiple times a day. How does he feel? What is he telling you about the DA's case? Um, I think this is another day for the president, and I think that's the important thing to take away from this. Um, this is something that has been happening since he walked down the escalator at Trump Tower in, in uh, 2015, 2016, when he was running and, and won. Um, it is the way his life has turned, unfortunately, and he's given up a lot for this country. He had a great life before, I'll tell you that, and he's willing to continue to sacrifice, and I think that speaks volumes to his character and how much he loves this country. And then she was asked this. Take a listen to this exchange. Is he scared? Is he worried about this case? No, he's not scared. No, he's sad by what's going on. He's not scared. He is sad. And in fact, there are reports that he is saying again that he will not sort of sneak in the back door, even if he is able to do that, allowed to do it. You know, if they would negotiate for security reasons and also because of most importantly, he's a former president. He's like, no, Uh, according to some reports out there, he is planning on making it public, walking through the front door, basically saying you are not going to persecute me and do it in the darkness. This is not going to happen. Uh, Telling some people that he's in high spirits, essentially, uh, that he knows what this is all about. And he is giving the thumbs up to everybody who's been calling out his name, shaking his hand, uh, and that a lot of people around Mar-a-Lago, where he is, have been giving him the high signs, basically cheering him on. And he is, you know, seeing a lot of support, at least in that area, and that he is not going to hide or cower. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Dom, line six. Dom, your thoughts about this. Yeah, Rita, you know, you and your, your listeners might find this valuable information because I've been listening to, since this thing is unfolding, a lot of different liberal stations, and one of them is KFI AM 640 California. So the guy called and said, you know, my brother is a lifelong Democrat and he has never voted for any Republican, no matter how leftist the Democrat is. And I just talked to him last week. He says he's fed up. I don't give a damn what Republican stands. This time I'm going to vote for a Republican, Trump or no Trump. And I think out of the four stations I listened to, two out of the four, at least there were people that were saying, I'm going to lean towards Trump because this is, I don't care how bad this thing is. He, this is, this is something that's bad for the country. So and they're starting to realize that. So my my thinking would be, you know, Trump should pull a Trump card and say, you know what, I'm going to make DeSantis my partner, and hopefully DeSantis will kind of, you know, work through this for the sake of the country. If that happens, I mean, they'll be unbeatable, these two people. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because DeSantis came out and was critical of Bragg. Uh, He didn't really say anything about Trump. He's still trying to kind of walk on eggshells and try to figure out how to maneuver that um, but he basically said, you know, that Bragg, it seems like an overzealous prosecution of a Republican. Um, he still seems to be a little tepid in terms of, you know, saying anything in support of Trump. And I think that that's a mistake. I think he should say this should not happen to anybody in America. It's outrageous. And just like you said, I think a lot of Democrats uh, even see it for what it is, an overzealous prosecution. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. A big night. President Trump could be on the verge of being indicted. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in blue. A powerful story coming from Chelsea, Massachusetts, where two police officers from that area helped save a man's life after he collapsed in the middle of a grocery store. Officers Timothy McCarthy and Stephen Garcia stopped in at the grocery store to pick up lunch when a woman ran over to them, alerting them that a man had collapsed in another part of the store. So the officers quickly ran over to the man who was gasping for air and started to turn purple. That's when Officer Garcia immediately started CPR, while Officer McCarthy brought over a defibrillator from the store. They shocked the man twice and continued compressions until the fire department and EMTs arrived. Officer Garcia said, we did CPR training just a few days before, so I was able to put it into practice and hopefully save this guy's life. Both McCarthy and Garcia say they hope that he pulls through and makes a full recovery. And what a powerful story of them being in the right place at the most important time. And it looks like they did indeed save this man's life. What a great testament to our great officers and all they do every single day. Well, you know I am a big believer in fair and equal justice. And we'll see. It looks like the New York Grand Jury is going to convene in just a matter of hours. They meet on Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So there is word that tomorrow they may have another witness, or they may just potentially come back with a decision, and they could potentially indict President Trump, for the first time in American history, a former president being indicted. Uh, This is an enormous deal, and we may be just hours away, according to multiple reports. Well, one of the things that put a little damper, so it seems, on the grand jury's path was a guy named Robert Costello. Robert Costello was an attorney who represented at one point Michael Cohen, who was basically the key witness against President Trump and the guy who's been guiding very much of where the grand jury is headed. Well, Bob Costello essentially says that Michael Cohen is a liar, that you cannot trust him, and that he has proof. He did a blockbuster interview with us earlier today. As you know, I also host Katz and Cosby on WABC Radio with the great John Katzimatidis. And during the show, we have a panel with us. And today we had Craig Eaton, former Brooklyn County GOP chair. We also had Judge Richard Weinberg, a Democrat. Of course, you'll hear John Katzimatidis, my awesome co-host there. And also, the first question that we had to Robert Costello, who joined us. And you got to hear this. This really will give you a very different impression of what is really happening in that jury room. 
and clearly that they didn't hear the full story before he came in. Our interview started with a question from Governor George Pataki, who also joined our panel today. Take a listen to the questions that we asked in this really revealing interview with Robert Costello. So you are the star guy. You were in there yesterday, and I don't know if you heard Alan Dershowitz, but he said you did brag uh, a favor by totally disqualifying uh, Cohen as a witness by proving he's a liar. Um, Could you uh, elaborate on that? Did, in fact, uh, you convince them that they can't rely on Cohen, and does that mean there won't be an indictment? Well, uh, I didn't know that you needed convincing that Michael Cohen was a liar because (laughs) – Pled guilty to perjury. So before I went in there, he was a convicted perjurer and a felon. But when I went in there, uh, and the reason I went in there was just listening to the media, listening to Michael Cohn make statements before he went into the grand jury and after he came out of the grand jury that were completely the opposite to what he told us during his moment of crisis in April 17th, 2018, when he was suicidal. Literally, he told us that he had been on the roof of the Regency Hotel the weekend before, and he was seriously considering jumping off. And we had that story confirmed by Reverend Jerry Falwell and his wife when he told the same thing, too. And my partner, who was with me at the time, knew Cohen for 10 years through uh, the school that we represent, uh, Columbia Grammar and Prep. Uh, We're outside counsel for that school, and Michael Cohen was on the board. So I looked at him, and he nodded yes. He, he certainly thought that Cohn was telling the truth. He was pacing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like a tiger in a cage at the zoo, honestly. And we told him, I told him, because Jeff is a civil lawyer, and I'm the one who was a former deputy chief of the criminal division in the Southern District. I explained to him his options, and one of his options was cooperation. He brought it up. Can I get a pardon? No. Can I get commutation? No. Can I cooperate? Yes, you can. But it's a trade. I said, Michael, these people in the Southern District are not interested in you. You're a bump in the road. Their interest clearly is Donald Trump. So the way out of this is to uh, cooperate if you have something to cooperate. Because if it's Donald Trump you're cooperating against, you can get a non-prosecution agreement, which means you're out of this picture at all. I said, it's a lot better than suicide. And he thought and said, I don't have anything against Donald Trump. And I must have asked him that same question. We were there for two hours, probably seven different ways, just to make sure that he kept on reiterating. And after the first time where he simply said, I don't have anything on Donald Trump. After that, every time his response was, I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything on Donald Trump. Did you say that at the grand jury yesterday? And do you think that'll impact whether or not Adams goes forth with the, or Bragg goes forth with the uh, indictment? I absolutely said that, uh, even though they didn't ask me a question that would have called for that response. I felt that they were trying to avoid that response. So I volunteered it several times. Now, whether that convinces the grand jury or convinces the prosecutors is anybody's guess. They clearly didn't really want me to present the exculpatory evidence to the grand jury. But I did so anyway, because that's the only reason why. That is hot news. That is hot news, Bob. Well, here's the other hot news. You know, I presented them. I gave them a package of material, and I gave the same package of material to Donald Trump's lawyer, Susan Nichols. uh, And it consisted of, one, 
321 emails between myself and Cone, Cone and me, and myself and my partner about Cone and about the lies that he was telling us. They put six of those emails out of 321 into evidence. So I got into an argument with him. I said, what? right in front of the grand jury, I said, I presented you with 321 emails. These are chronological, day-by-day, almost moment-by-moment accounts of the interrelationship between Cohn and us. I said, why don't you get, and I held them up in the air. I said, you should give all of these to the grand jury. They responded, well, we can't because they, it contains some uh, evidence that's not admissible. So I said, like what, hearsay? And they said, yes, hearsay. I said, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because these documents were made and maintained in the regular course of business. And it was the regular course of business to make and maintain these documents. You know what that makes these records? Business records. You know what that means? It's, a, it's an exception to the hearsay rule. Yeah. So you have no legal basis there. Turn, I, I, I turned to the grand jury. I said, you should demand these documents from them. Why are they only cherry-picking a couple of emails, six out of 321? You should see all of them. And what was their reaction to that? What was their reaction to that, Bob? They, they, were they must be flabbergasted by that. What was the grand jury's reaction? That's what, they, what, what was yeah. the grand jury's reaction? Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard to look at 21 yeah. people. We yeah. counted how many were there at the, time, at, the, at the same time. But I saw at least five or six people nodding their head, shaking their head like, yes, you're right, you're right. But they didn't shout out, give us the records. I don't know what they asked them once I stepped out of the room at about 4.40 in the afternoon. But I made it very clear that Michael Cohn told the story to us, which I think is more believable than the story he's telling now, because he was in a manic state, desperately looking for an escape route. So uh, escape uh, route Bob, was cooperation, if he had the information. And Bob, uh, this is Rita yeah. Cosby here. I just want to ask also, where just, and I know I'm asking you to read the tea leaves, but you are in the room. You have a unique yeah. perspective. Uh, Bob Costello, you were the witness there yesterday before Bragg's grand jury. Where do you think this is headed? Um, do and what also? Well, who's going to be the no, next no, witness? More important, and we only got two minutes left. What more important? Do you right. think they postponed today's uh, uh, indictment because of your testimony? Because I, I, I would postpone it if if I heard your testimony yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, I think, without a doubt, they they postponed it for that reason. They're scrambling to try and figure out what do we do now. Now, if they have good common sense. And there's got to be at least somebody that's smart in that building, maybe a whole <laughs> lot of people. If they look at this, they say, how can we possibly proceed? I mean, they're bringing a monumental case, unprecedented, based upon a convicted perjurer. Not a good idea in anybody's book. Very powerful. That was our discussion with Robert Costello, who just testified before the grand jury yesterday. Really interesting. This guy, again, very well-known attorney. He was the attorney for Michael Cohen. And you heard what he just said, that the grand jury didn't have even the tip of the iceberg of the correspondence between him and Cohen. And he says Cohen told him for a fact, yeah, you know, uh, Trump didn't know this. And Trump, you know, Trump didn't do anything wrong. I mean, if you hear all of those things... And then you're going to now go and go after a president of the United States when you have conflicting information. And the other issue is, he says there were grand jurors that were in there shaking their heads saying, yeah, we should see all the information. Don't you think you should see 
everything, especially because it is such a monumental case. I thought that was blockbuster. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy. Line two. Ted, your thoughts. Oh, how you doing, Rita? Rita, I agree with you on one point, and then I want you to comment, please, on another point. Okay? I agree with you that if this was anyone else, most 99% of the the time, they wouldn't be charged for any type of possible felony. The worst case, it would be a misdemeanor. Okay, and I don't know the law. I'm honest about that. Okay, and if you don't know the law, then you really, people can't make a clear, definitive judgment on it. Now, dealing with the the attorney from, uh, the district attorney from uh, Manhattan, he's lost real credibility in my eye, and with the majority of the people of New York City and New York State. But I want your reaction to what a Florida judge has said today, okay, that there is credible evidence that Trump lied to his lawyers in Florida about the Mar-a-Lago documents, the national security documents. All right, Teddy, hang on. Teddy, hang on one second. Because you are going on such a limb. I want to stay focused because we may right now have a president who is about to be indicted on this issue. So I want to stay focused on this issue short term. Um, And I I will comment just overall on the other cases because there's not just the Florida case out there. There's also a Georgia case. There's a lot of cases out there. I'll I'll actually go one step further than your question, uh, Ted. Um, I'm happy to hear you say that you agree. If it was anyone else, probably they wouldn't be charged. So then he shouldn't be charged. That's one. And two, if this indeed is such a thin case, which, by the way, Ted, I know a lot of attorneys uh, that are very left-leaning and others that are not, obviously, but consensus pretty much of what I've heard and ones I've talked to and people that are definitely not fans of President Trump, they believe this is a weak case. And so if you believe, like, say, Florida or you believe Georgia or some of these other things are ones that you believe are ones that are more worthy to go after Trump, and obviously that's up for debate, but if you do believe it, then it's not a smart move to bring a very weak case first. Because if this is the first charge you're going to go after a former president, you better make sure that it sticks. And you better make sure it is a lock-solid case. And it could hurt any other cases, Uh, even for people like you who think that Trump should be locked up 24-7. You know, which I, I think, you know, you obviously are orange man bad all the time. But, Ted, you have to agree that if you come up with a weak case at first, it looks like you're throwing darts. And that will only help President Trump In any Florida case, it's going to help them in any Georgia case. It's going to have such a rippling effect uh, for folks like you who think that he did something wrong in these others. Don't you agree real quick, Ted? I I disagree with you that it will help him in the Florida case and the Georgia case. Those are entire. That's apples and oranges. This case is a weak case. No, but but, but what it looks like, Ted, it looks like you're throwing darts. Uh, Not you, but I'm saying it looks like the judicial system is throwing darts. It looks like, hey, let's try him here in New York. Oh, and if that doesn't work, let me try him here. Let me try him here. Let me try him here. You are dealing with a former president of the United States, and you're going to have this really thin, wimpy case uh, that even liberal attorneys say really doesn't make any sense. And even you agreed 
that if his name wasn't Trump, he wouldn't be in this situation. And I agree with you on that. And then for that reason, by the way, if it was President Biden in this situation, I would say it's preposterous, too. We are setting a dangerous standard for this country. And you can't just kind of willy-nilly say, hey, let me try him here. Um, and no, well, this case is more serious or this case is more serious. It's like uh, this isn't a game. This is American justice, and we shouldn't be playing with it. Teddy, thank you, though, and I love your passion always. I don't always agree with you. In fact, most times I don't. But I do agree in part tonight that if his name wasn't Trump, we would not be where we are right now with a potential indictment. I'm glad we see eye to eye on that, Ted. We're going to have more calls after the break. 800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And Professor Alan Dershowitz put this prosecution of President Trump in a perspective that even Walt Disney can appreciate. Take a listen. They're making it up. Look, they've labored for months and months and months, and the labor produced a mouse. A mouse's name is Mickey. This is a Mickey Mouse prosecution, and it's the worst example of prosecutorial abuse I've seen in my 60 years of practicing law. It's a scandal. Wow, a Mickey Mouse of a prosecution. And even Ted, who hates Trump, said if the name wasn't Trump, this probably would not be brought. 99% sure it wouldn't happen. Well, then guess what? It shouldn't happen, Ted. And all the people who hate Trump, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony, line five. Tony, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Um, my take on this is a little bit different, but yet the same. I see President Trump as just a magnificent man who brought this country back to its standing. And he he's the Superman. And so when in the, in the Superman program, when they say, look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, able to lead tall buildings. He's the one that's taking on the fight because this administration has put a wrecking ball to every part of our country and our diplomatic standing in the world. Wrecking ball. And in the two years this administration has been in office, I've always been waiting for something to happen to, to get, get everything back to normal. And I think this is going to be um, that thing that gets things on track becoming normal i'm not sure i I, tony i think it's actually going to get a little bumpy before it gets uh you know better and that's the sad thing you know that i actually think you know it's going to get much worse uh before it gets better because you know there will be such emotions about this moment and there will also be i think there'll also be it's sort of now fair game to go after a former president um, you know, and, and no one's, you know, uh, no one is uh, uh, able to escape this, I think. And I think it just opens such a highly partisan. If we think things are partisan and divided in America right now, uh, I think this is only the tip of the iceberg short term. I, I hope you're right that we do get back to a higher place and a better place eventually. But I'm sad that I think it's going to be bumpy until we hit that moment. Uh, let's go to Mark. Line seven. Mark, your thoughts. How you doing? 
Good. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Thank you for your today, uh, Katz and Cosby, uh, with Bob. What an interview. Let me tell you, enlightening. I thought it was very revealing. What What yeah, did you think? Did it absolutely. change your impression? Or what do you think it's going to change the impression of the grand jurors? Well, it reinforced what I thought. And uh, for Trump, uh, my president, uh, it's only going to help him. Indict him. Let him indict him. See what happens. You don't have the right to. It's not going to, if you indict him, you got to indict Biden. You're going to indict Clinton. It goes down the list. No, there's nothing he did wrong. And it's statute of limitations. And we're a republic. So it goes from New York. They indict him. It goes to a judge in Florida. The judge has to uh, compile that it it, it relates to the law of Florida in order to extradite him. It's a mess. It is. I I agree with you. It is a mess, and it is, I think, shameful, and I think it's an abuse of justice. To your point, Mark, we're going to continue, everybody, with your call. Stay with us after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. From the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, potentially being indicted. There are a number of reports tonight that the actual issuance of the indictment could come down tomorrow and that the actual arraignment, the IE perp walk, uh, the cuffing. <laughs> I don't think they'll be cuffing. I think they'll be fingerprinting. Some are saying cuffing. I don't think so. Uh, mug shots. Uh, can you imagine Trump is going to walk through the front door? That's what he's telling everybody. He's not ducking and hiding. He's just going to walk right in. Can you imagine he's going to be waving to everybody, signing autographs, taking selfies with people? Uh, it is going to be one of the most wild scenes, I think, in American history. And the fact that he is looking like he's going to be indicted, we don't know that for a fact. But we do know that the grand jury is reconvening tomorrow. The grand jury, this grand jury reportedly meets on Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. And we know that it did have a meeting with, indeed, Bob uh, Costello, who was sort of the refuting witness, if you will, of Michael Cohen. And Cohen is really at the heart of all this. Cohen, of course, was a longtime attorney for President Trump. Uh, sort of a right-hand business guy, um, but he's also a convicted felon. And because of all that, there's a lot of questions about his credibility, and it'll be interesting to see. We don't know. There is a chance that maybe there's another witness that comes in tomorrow who maybe rebuts, if you will, serves as a rebuttal uh, to Bob Costello. We were just talking about Bob Costello, who said that Michael Cohen is a liar. You can't trust anything. He told me something very different. And Bob Costello was Michael Cohen's attorney. 
And remember, there's the attorney-client privilege, which was waived because of documents that were shared and a whole bunch of other privileges. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but he was allowed to be able to testify before the grand jury and tell them what he thought. And he said, Michael Cohen can't be trusted. And Alan Dershowitz, great legal scholar, had this to say about the credibility. If this case rests on Michael Cohen, he says, boy, is that a sad situation. I think Costello gave the prosecution inadvertently a great gift because I think he told Bragg and the prosecutors, you cannot use Cohen. He is a complete liar, perjurer. He'll say anything. He'll do anything. Costello proved that. Now, if Bragg has any brains, if the prosecution have any brains, they won't even allow Cohen near the courthouse. They will try to make the case through Pecker, through the financial guy, maybe even through uh, Stormy Daniels. But stay away from Cohen. Stay away from Cohen. And Pecker, by the way, he's one of the former sort of media CEOs. Remember, it was like selling the story and, the, you know, all, and all this stuff. He was also close friends with Trump. Uh, so maybe he comes in. But you're going to have Stormy Daniels be the refuting witness. Maybe you don't have any refuting witness. Who knows? We'll see where this goes. But this is interesting, too, because so many people have been asking, how could this case be brought? Aren't the statute of limitations off basically making it null and void? There's a certain window when it's a misdemeanor. There's a certain window when it's a felony. And one is two years, one is five years. And in this case, it's seven years. Remember, seven years since they're saying this happened. It was during the 2016 campaign. And Professor Alan Dershowitz said he believes if they go forward with charges here, that the DA will find a very creative way to get around the fact that the statute of limitations, uh, technically, he's going to say they're going to pretend that it didn't run out because of this. Here's the way their arguments go. They're going to say the statute of limitations was paused because Trump couldn't be served. They didn't know where he was. He was in the White House or he wasn't in New York. And the New York Court of Appeals has written a decision a couple of years ago saying he has to be essentially continuously in New York. Well, they're going to claim that because he was the president, because he went to Florida, he wasn't in New York. That's an absurd argument. That statute of limitations has clearly expired on the two-year misdemeanor. And as far as the five-year felony is concerned, it's a closer case. But still, uh, what happened with Stormy Daniels happened six, seven years ago. So that's going to be hard to get around. Yeah, but they sound like they are going to try it. And it looks like it is full steam ahead. We don't know that for a fact. You never know. Maybe Bob Costello, who was the witness basically on Trump's behalf, maybe changed their perspective, maybe delayed the timetable. Uh, he said to us earlier today when we were talking with him, he was saying to us that he believes the jurors, when he presented evidence that refuted heavily what Michael Cohen has been saying, were rattled a little bit, that they seemed surprised, were curious why they didn't know that information. So... The question is, will it change their mind? Will they then request the information? Or will the DA, who seems so intent on going after Trump, 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 just continue on the path and say, ah, disregard this. I'm going to bring in somebody who says something else. And since there's Cohen and that person, don't worry that he's a convicted liar and all that stuff. Don't worry about that. 
just stay focused on this. Who knows what instructions or where they are headed. But Costello said reading the room, they clearly didn't have that kind of information that was refuting anything. Because all they were hearing was sort of one side of the story, which does happen most often in grand juries, which is why sometimes the process is so stilted against somebody. And I contend when you're dealing with somebody who is like the former president of the United States and current presidential candidate, you better have your ducks in order. And so Congressman Mike McCarthy, of course, he is the House Speaker says that this is an outrageous injustice, that this is a political persecution. And he further says that he wants to see Alvin Bragg called before Congress to explain how did he get to this conclusion when most people, if their name wasn't Trump, would never, ever be investigated to begin with. He also wants to know what kind of money was spent on the investigation. And why is Alvin Bragg, a DA in New York, somehow spearheading the charge against President Trump? This is what Kevin McCarthy had to say just a little bit ago. Take a listen to what he said. But I do get concerned when I look out there and I see justice not being equal to others, especially in the history of where we are. And the tough part is with, with a local DA playing in presidential politics. If that starts right there, don't you think it'll happen across the country? So I even watched um, an individual who, who was on your network, CNN. See, I watch your network sometimes, changing channels. Um, and I, I know him well, and he, he's a Democrat. He's a strong liberal on the other end, and he just thought this was all wrong, too. And so I think it's a place that the country can unite. They want equal justice. They just think it's wrong. Yeah, they just think it's wrong. And here is conservative commentator Kelly McEnany, remember, former White House press secretary under President Trump. And she thinks this is all about the political motivations of Alvin Bragg. If Alvin Bragg brings this case, he is a national media figure. He is a national political figure. He wants to run for governor of New York. Man, he's posturing himself well to do that in blue New York. Um, We're told by the New York Times that he's uninterested in political calculations. He'd be the first politician I've ever met that's uninterested (laughs) in political calculations. So really quickly, possible motive number two, Kathy Hochul gets tired of crime in New York and says, Alvin Bragg, you're out the door. This insulates him from ever being fired by the governor of New York because you can't fire the guy who indicted Trump. Isn't that interesting? And Governor Pataki, uh, former governor of New York, who I was talking with earlier today, he was saying that he believes that maybe this is about Alvin Bragg worried that maybe he's going to be primaried uh, by somebody who's not happy with him. And this maybe sort of ensures that he can kind of keep his gig, if you will. Um, you know, because a lot of people were not happy that Cy Vance, who's the former DA before him, didn't go forward with charges because he didn't think there was something to go forward with. So if this is about politics in any shape or form, and right now it doesn't look like it's based on the facts, that is not a pretty thing for Alvin Bragg. If it's all about his own political posturing that you try to bring down the former president of the United States. Well, Alvin Bragg, by the way, put out a statement just a little bit ago Uh, He basically gave this to Fox News. Basically, this is the spokesperson responding to the GOP saying, we want you to come testify before the Congress and explain what kind of money, taxpayer money, our money went to this. 
where you should be going after criminals and thugs that are repeat offending left and right, violent crimes in New York. Oh, no, let's go after Trump instead. And here is what Alvin Bragg's spokesperson said, quote, we will not be intimidated by attempts to undermine the justice process, nor will we let basis accu- baseless accusations deter us from fairly applying the law. And he says in every prosecution, we follow the law without fear or favor to uncover the truth. Our skilled, honest and dedicated lawyers remain hard at work. So he basically says, no politics there. I don't know what 99.9999999% of the country is saying. I don't know what you're talking about. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line three. BJ, this to me is a sad day if we are hours away from President Trump being indicted on this. This is outrageous. This is a witch hunt, Rita. Thank you for having me. Every American should condemn this weaponization of our judiciary against Donald Trump. He's being denied his Fourth and Sixth Amendment rights to a fair and speedy trial. And uh, this is uh, the opening salvo to the open season on all who are poor and uh, are the weakest among us. If they can go after Donald Trump, they can go after anybody. And this will uh, start a series of witch hunts against any politician who falls from favor. So, for instance, if you have a charismatic-sounding Tulsi Gabbard, she's now a target of a very uh, malicious prosecution. If you have a Bernie Sanders who's charismatic, that person. So every American, regardless of party line, should condemn this. I don't care if you like Trump. I don't care if you don't vote for Trump. I don't care if you dislike him. This is taking away your rights as an American. And Donald Trump has the financial wherewithal to withstand this. He'll be fine no matter what happens. But John and uh, John Q. Public doesn't. And if they want to get you, they'll get you at the lowest level. This has a very trickle-down, rippling effect. And uh, it's it should be exposed for that. Yeah, I agree with you, BJ. I think it's a sad day for justice and a sad day for America. And especially if you look at the facts and even I bring up even, you know, folks who I know who are definitely heavily Democratic, uh, they actually feel that this is, quote, a stretch. I've heard them say it is, quote, a weak case. So why would you ever bring it against anyone, let alone the former president of the United States, just because you don't like him? That's not the reason you go after people. That's not America, just like you said. And I think it does open a very dangerous floodgate and a very dangerous precedent. Go ahead, BJ. Sorry. Even Teddy said so. He said if it wasn't Donald Trump, they wouldn't be doing this. What does that tell you? Even he understands that this is a double standard, which is wrong. This We're not supposed to have two standards. We're supposed to have equal justice under the law, whether you're Donald Trump or Donald, Donald whoever, whether you're a likable person, whether you're not likable person. You're supposed to get the same fair shake. So even even the people that dislike Trump the most understand that this is a usurpation of our inalienable rights by someone who simply wants to weaponize this because they of the politics. This is the thing that makes up third world countries. This happened in Ireland. This happened all over Europe. This will happen again if we don't. This will happen in every blue state we can see. 
if this isn't stopped and nipped in the bud. This is a witch hunt. Yeah, I agree. And and just like you said, it is so transparent that even good old Ted, who's orange man, bad Ted, uh, basically even he said uh, that he can't see it happening, uh, you know, to someone else other than Trump. That's the Trump name. They just don't like him. And I think, though, BJ, on the flip side, I think this is going to make Trump stronger. It's going to make him emboldened. And I think those who support Trump and even those who don't support Trump now, I think, are starting to have sympathy for him and saying this sure looks like what you just said, a politically charged prosecution. And I think it's going to backfire. I think he's going to get more support than ever. And, D, uh, you know, Democrats are going to live to regret this. Uh, but I think it's a sad day for America. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And coming up later on, by the way, in the show, uh, while Trump is being focused on this and the country's being focused on this with all the potential indictment that could be coming down in a matter of hours. Guess what's happening? Thousands of miles away in Russia, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, now a war criminal, are meeting and plotting basically the new world order. Uh, this is just why spending time on bogus legal things is not where our priorities should be right now. I hope Alvin Bragg's listening. And so coming up in a little bit on the show, in about 15 minutes or so, we are going to have former Democratic Congressman Martin Frost of Texas. And he is going to be talking about the importance of energy independence, also his reaction to what looks like sort of a new uh, group of the access of evil, if you will. These are our U.S. adversaries banding in together, making a pact economically and also militarily. There's just a lot of really concerning things that are coming out of that meeting. And former Democratic congressman, he was head, by the way, of the Democratic Congressional Committee. Uh, he is going to be joining us, Martin Frost, um, in about 15 minutes to give us his take on what that meeting means, what it means for U.S. policy, and how important it is that we are energy independent uh, to crush Putin and also just prop ourselves up financially during this very difficult time. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be talking about that as well. Meantime, we are, of course, talking about this stunning, stunning precipice that we're on, and I believe we are on a precipice of an unusual and tragic place in history. If we're going to go after a former president for uh, inappropriate business filing, you have got to be kidding me. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Do you think that Alvin Bragg is going to go through with this? Uh, that a grand jury is going to go through with it after they heard from Bob Costello. We were playing some of his comments in the last hour. I thought they were very compelling. He used to be with the Southern District of New York. He's a former federal prosecutor. He's not just some guy off the street. He's a credible guy. But do you think that Bragg and his team are just full steam ahead, no matter what other evidence they get presented? one 800 848 9222. Let's go to Anastasia, line seven. Anastasia, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Well, this is a 
a really a political witch hunt. After so many years passed by, they're trying to go back to find minor things to try to... The whole agenda from the beginning, starting from January 6th, was all about preventing Trump from going to the 2024 race. It's so simple. It looks like they really, really uh, had all this planned from the beginning to prevent him from going through this on the 24th race. You, you know what's interesting, Anastasia? I think you're right. I think that's what they were hoping. I think they, like, tried a couple things. It didn't really work. Then they tried something else. That didn't work, the two impeachments. Now let's try this. You know, it's like, that's why I kind of compared to throwing darts. Like, hey, let's try this one. Let's try this one. Um, but I think this one looks so bad, so bad that even Teddy, who was orange man bad all the time, uh, thinks that this is not appropriate. Anastasia, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Always great to hear from you. Let's go to TJ, line five. TJ, your thoughts. Oh, Rita, uh, thoughts. Um, you, you brought up a great point. How much money is, is the outside spending? And I have a, a great friend I grew up with who's an investigator for Tish and Dish. And if New Yorkers knew how much money we spend on outside attorneys, both for the city and for the state, because we have such inept idiots running those offices. Their first concern is always, you know, with the diversity, equity, and inclusion nonsense, what color is the person who's charged? What's their record? And Alvin Bragg, you know, for them to say, we're not going to be intimidated. Um, This is the same DA who led murderers out of jail. Don't forget that poor girl who got killed in a Burger King two years ago who was just working, going to college. Don't forget the poor Asian woman thrown in front of a train. But I'm really glad all the, you know, um, self-hating people on the Upper West Side and Upper East Side who were so worried about abortions at age 60. You know, we've got to keep abortions legal and we've got to keep Hochul in there. You know, when they have a better chance of getting punched in the face or having their groceries stolen. And they made sure Hochul made, and they made sure with Hochul staying. Well, you know, it's you know, it's interesting, TJ. You bring up a good point that there is so much crime. That's where Bragg should be focused. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing, honoring our military and their families, a powerful story coming from Tullahoma, Tennessee, where Sergeant First Class Charles Gwynn was honored recently in the presence of family and friends when he was awarded a quilt of valor for his 32 years of military service with the National Guard. He served as a supply sergeant, which is a critical role in maintaining the readiness and also success of his unit. And he also served as a company level chaplain. Gwynn's assignments had him serving during Desert Storm in the Persian Gulf, as well as other key roles and assignments, which really took him all over the world. And his special quilt of valor was designed and created by a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. I love them. And the uh, designer included within the special design an interwoven cross because of the sergeant's role as a chaplain to his fellow servicemen and women. 
And at the restaurant where he was presented with the quilt, he delighted the crowd, sharing stories of his many assignments and travels to many faraway destinations, all to serve our country. Well, we are talking about what may be a historic moment just hours away as security is beefing up. Uh, There was also, luckily, a unfounded bomb threat, thank goodness, that took place. Uh, The NYPD received it, and security is beefing up all over New York, also Washington, D.C., also Florida and elsewhere in preparation for what may be an indictment of President Trump as early as tomorrow. And here is Harris Faulkner, my buddy on Fox News, talking about why she thinks this case by Alvin Bragg is ridiculous and why she thinks, as I do, that Trump should be focused on, guess what, the many repeat offenders that are causing violent crimes in New York that he just seems to give a slap on the wrist to. Take a listen. So why would you start with this particular case? Is it because it really isn't the worst of them? And this is the best that you've got? And yeah, it may put Alvin Bragg if he gets indicted. You know, I don't think Trump's going to get indicted based on this case. I think it's too weak. And it makes makes Alvin Bragg look like he's got bad judgment in terms of what wins. Mm -hmm. And he's not concentrating on crime. It's just a shiny object away from where he's failing. Yeah, and much of it, I think, is a distraction because it's not the contents of the case, guys. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in L.A., Line 5. David, you're here on The Rita Cosby Show. What do you think? Yeah, Albert Bragg has me outraged. You might want to have your finger on the uh, dump button, but let me just say this. Historic first, a big deal. Oh, we got the first historic first black DA. It's the biggest historic failure. What does he do? Oh, I'm not going to prosecute for armed robbery anymore. I'm going to let the violent criminals free to go out and kill people again. That's not making black neighborhoods safe. He's not doing anything for blacks. Then what does he do? It's not that he's going after the former president. It's that he's going after the current front runner of his political competition for president. This guy's a disaster. How dare him? And, and you know, I just don't want to hear any more about historic first blacks because they're too radical. They got a chip on their shoulder and they, they're out of control. It doesn't mean the regular, decent citizen black people, but the blacks that are in office, like the Lori Lightfoot and then, and then the, the Tish Adams. Oh, I'm going to wake up every day and go after Donald Trump. So these people aren't doing anything for their own community. And it's a disgrace. I've had enough. Wow. Well, David, I will tell you, and I don't look at it as the color of their skin. I look at the content of their actions. And I will say, uh, at least on Alvin Bragg's part, um, he has been disastrous and going so easy on repeat offenders um, of all, you know, shades and stripes of, of all different kinds. And I agree with you that he is not doing a service to minority communities, uh, you know, where there is a lot of crime and there are so many great citizens in that community uh, that don't want crime to be there. They want the repeat offenders off the streets and everybody deserves to be safe, uh, no matter what the color of their skin. And um, to me, again, I don't look at him. I look at like I look at look at what about the guy in San Francisco? Um, he wasn't black, uh, but he was sure he was a lousy DA. And thank goodness, you know, you know, you got to be bad when San Francisco kicks you out. When the San Francisco, the most liberal city in the country, kicks you out, they had enough. Um, and I hope that when people go to the polls, they make a wise decision next go round uh, when it's the DA's race uh, to decide who gets to be in office next time and who is going to really keep all communities safe. 
Uh, I feel your passion, David, because it is so frustrating. And I feel so sad for everybody uh, because we all deserve to be safe. And we're all in this together. Um, And the last thing you need is a DA who seems to have a partisan agenda just because, just like you said, going after the front runner who is his political opponent, the the party's political opponent. Uh, This is not America. It is so un-American to me. Uh, Larry, real quick, line one. Larry, your thoughts. Okay, okay, I agree with Alan Dershowitz. Uh, First of all, there's definitely going to be an indictment, if for no other reason than this Bob Costello stuck his nose where it doesn't belong. I think he would have been better off if Abbott and Costello went in there. Okay, This guy can't save off an indictment. That's why they say you can indict a ham sandwich. This is not a trial. You can't. You can't discredit a witness in a grand jury proceeding and have it come out your way. The point of the matter is Trump has nothing to worry about. There are enough uphill climbs in this prosecution that he's going to win anyway. He didn't need Bob Bestello, who's not going to be the grand messiah. The reason Trump is going to win is because he let Shalom Rabachkin out of jail. He saved a man that was being uh, that was being crucified, okay, by uh, anti-Semitic judge. Well, and, and, and Lair, hold on, Lair, hold on a second because be on it's because it's breaking up a little bit, Lair. Um, but but I disagree with you. I mean, I at least think that Costello, uh, you know, if if you know if he's seeing what he believes is an injustice, I give him credit at least for going in there. I think that's important. That's one, and two. Uh, justice shouldn't work, even though you say, oh, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be convicted. Think about how long that process is going to be. If he indeed gets indicted, whether it's tomorrow or whenever it is, and then he gets arraigned, um, if again that happens, and it looks like I, I think it's going to happen, I, I don't know that for a fact, but just looking at the tea leaves, it seems that way. Okay, so if that happens, right, it's not going to be till at least a few months till there would be a trial. And then you got to go through a trial, you got to spend all the money, you got to spend all the effort. I mean, this is not where America should be spending its time, and this is not where Alvin Bragg should be spending his time uh, when crime is skyrocketing in New York and everywhere else. Uh, so uh, maybe the end result, um, I agree with you. I don't think there's a jury, even no New York jury, which is a very liberal jury, and I'm sure they don't like Trump, most of them. I believe that they would see through this, too. But it might be a long time till that happens, and that's not fair to drag people through the process. Uh, but I hear what you're saying, Lair, very much, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. By the way, as we're talking about, think about all the other big things that are going on in the world right now. Uh, and you're going to have Trump, and you're going to have, more importantly, the president and the Democratic Party, everybody focused on the Trump trial and what's going on there, where there are huge things going on in the world and where the focus of the world really should be. Case in point, what's going on? There was a huge meeting. It was day two today of the meeting with Xi Jinping and also Vladimir Putin in Moscow. And they basically reached a deal economically and somewhat militarily, too. And that should trouble the world. Take a listen. This is what H.R. McMaster, who is Trump's former national security advisor, had to say about this uh, unholy alliance. He's just been indicted by the International Criminal Court for a kidnapping you know, tens of thousands of, of Ukrainian children. Uh, and, of course, this is all on the eve of Xi Jinping, you know, visiting Putin. So I think what you're seeing is really quite clearly this axis of authoritarians uh, who are a real threat to, to, you know, to freedom uh, and to civilized people around the world. And joining us now to discuss China and Russia increasing their ties, including in the energy sphere, is former Texas Congressman, 
Martin Frost, who now serves as secretary and director for the Council for a Secure America. Congressman, so great to have you here on the show. Well, good to be with you. What is your reaction, first of all, to China and Russia really cozying up? Well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, China has been providing economic aid to Russia. The question is whether they're going to sell them weapons. Um, And we're all interested in seeing uh, an end come to this uh, fighting in Ukraine. And this will make it, assuming that China provides them weapons, it'll make it even harder to have a settlement there. And I hope our administration is going to make it clear that uh, we will frown upon their providing weapons. And the energy is such an important issue because China has been buying energy from Russia. Russia has, um, is selling some of its oil to China, and that's how they're raising money to keep this war effort going on. So China's right in the middle of this. So far, they haven't provided actual weapons to Russia, but that could be the next thing. Listen, this is it's very important that we promote democracy around the world. This is what this is all about. Um, Ukraine has a democratically elected government, and we're standing behind them. Our Western allies, Western European allies are standing behind them. But energy is being used as a weapon uh, in this uh, particular fight. Uh, Russia has uh, threatened to cut off uh, natural gas supplies to Western Europe and uh, to put pressure on them to back off and not help Ukraine. Uh, This is a very complicated situation, and China's not going to make it any easier. No, great points. Um, by the way, my father was a Polish freedom fighter, so I understand that well, part of the world well, all my, too well. My, my wife's family is originally from Ukraine, although it's been a long time. They've been in the United States for 100 years. And my family is originally from Lithuania. Same, which, and Lithuania is another one of these countries that is, borders on uh, Russia and is severely threatened by what's going on. You know, you talk about China and its role funding basically the war machine through oil. Of course, there are some countries, many countries have stopped doing business. Um, How much do you think of China's relationship with Russia buying that oil is playing a role in funding the machine? I mean, it's a sizable amount. Oh, I don't think there's any question um, that they propped up the Russian economy. But the the next question is, are they going to actually provide them weapons? Because Russia is running short of uh, some of the weapons they need to fight this war. And Iran is providing some of that. And uh, if China does, too, this war is going to go on for a long time. Yeah, which is such an enormous concern. What about also the fact that it comes down to our policy? You know, a lot of people are saying, talk about night and day from energy policies from President Trump to where we are now. How much of that do you think has played a role that we are no longer energy independent? We could have been energy dependent even. Well, we basically are still energy independent, uh, particularly we're North American energy independent because we we buy energy from uh, uh, from Canada, from our neighbor. Um, and uh, um, we uh, dramatically increased the amount of energy that we produce in recent years. And that's been continued by the Biden administration. From time to time, the Biden administration will make some comments that the environmentalists want to hear. And look, we can develop this wind and solar on a long-term basis, but we can't stop drilling for oil and gas. And that's what uh, that's the big fight here. And the Biden administration is continuing a policy to produce oil and gas in this country. Particularly, this is important because Russia uses energy as a weapon against us and our friends.
would you like to see more of that? Because I think of the example of in Alaska where they're doing some of that in the Willow Project, but then there's a lot of area around it where they're not doing it. It seems well, the, the administration's the kind Project, of trying to have it both ways a little bit. Well, the Willow Project will produce 180 million gallons, uh, 180,000 gallons of oil a day. That's a major amount. And uh, the Biden administration is permitting that to go forward. They're not going to block it. Some people would like them to block it. There are people in this country who say, keep it all in the ground. Don't don't produce any more oil and gas. That's crazy because we need it for our own industry and we need it for to promote our own uh, democracy and foreign policy in the world. This is a this is a tough business. Um, we're going to continue, I hope, continue to produce very significant amounts of oil and gas and make some of that available to our friends in Western Europe because they need it and the Russians are trying to blackmail them. Yeah, they are certainly using oil as a weapon. Um, how vital is it, obviously? This is really the lifeline for Russia, too. That's right. And, you know, you, you talk about Poland. Poland has been extraordinarily helpful in the fight to um, keep uh, Ukraine uh, democratic. Uh, they're a neighbor. They've, they're, they're, quite a few refugees have gone to Poland. Plus, Poland is now going to sell some some MIGs uh, some, uh, uh, to the Ukrainians, and hopefully we will do the same thing. Uh, we've got the F-16. It was made in my district in Fort Worth, Texas. It's a great airplane, and uh, I think we ought to join in and sell, uh, uh, provide that type of airplane uh, it'll take some training, but provide that to the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians are very brave people. They have fought off Russia in a way that most people didn't think they could do. They've set an example of what it means to be courageous. Yeah, they have definitely uh, just shown guts of steel. I agree with you on that front. Um, former Congressman Martin Frost, I want to ask you, too, because you're also now part of a great organization, uh, the right. CSA, which we were talking about, the Council for a Secure America. It's doing some unique things. It's sort of creating a unique partnership. Talk about that. Well, it's a combination of people from the southwest, from Texas and Oklahoma, uh, many of them in the oil and gas business, and people from the northeast who care very deeply about the state of Israel. And uh, it's a very interesting combination. And they've come together to promote uh, domestic production uh, of additional oil and gas in the United States and also to make sure that they uh, that Israel is secure because um, you know Israel is in an unfriendly neighborhood. The Saudis have not exactly been helpful, quite frankly. Um, I didn't expect much out of the Saudis, but the Saudis have not been uh, not cooperated with this, um, and they could eventually, uh, working with Iran, be a threat against Israel. So it's in our interest to help our friends, whether they're it's in uh, Western Europe, whether it's in the Middle East. And you do that by providing energy and providing technology. Um, the, um, the Israelis have developed uh, some natural gas fields in the Mediterranean, um, and that can be available ultimately uh, to Western Europe, and we're working with them on that. No, and it is so important. Of course, uh, they are a democracy and a bit of a very tough neighborhood, too, so it's you, even you more bet. imperative. So anyway, there, this has been an organization that's been – it was um, initially formed in the 80s, uh, went dormant, and then about 10, 12 years ago, it was revived by some of us who were um, originally involved. And also uh, some very key people, um, both in the, uh, in, in the American Jewish community and in the, uh, and the oil and gas industry in, in the uh, Southwest, 
This is an interesting combination. We both believe in the same thing, making the United States as energy independent as possible and helping our friends by providing energy and when they're being threatened by the Russians. Absolutely. What an important message. And it could not be more timely given everything that's been happening around the world. You've got to come back again here on the Rita Cosby Show. Wonderful to have you here, Congressman. And also now now the director of the Council for a Secure America, appropriately so. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Bye. And when we come back, we're going to take your calls on the fact that the Manhattan D.A. looks like he may be on the verge of charging Trump at a time where there's a lot to talk about. We were just talking about energy independence. We were just talking about President Xi and Putin. They're going to be meeting tomorrow for a third day. Crime is skyrocketing. We're dealing with inflation. We might see the Federal Reserve maybe raises rates again. Uh, I mean, this is a crazy time in the world with the economy and everything else. And Alvin Bragg is focused on orange man bad. What do you think about that? 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? By the way, the New York Post is reporting that President Trump himself has not been notified whether or not he will be charged, Uh, that they are standing by just reading the tea leaves like all of us. But as of now, he is not sure, according to sources telling the New York Post. They are also saying, by the way, that they do expect another witness tomorrow, but that doesn't rule out that a potential indictment could come tomorrow as well because they're there for at least a couple hours, and we don't know who that other witness is. Uh, Will it be sort of a rebuttal to Bob Costello, uh, who was a, you know, he's a well-known attorney and was in the Southern District of New York. So, Let's see what happens, who the other witness is, and if indeed then the grand jury comes back with a decision. And who knows, maybe maybe Bob Costello, maybe he did rattle the cages. He said to us uh, earlier today, as I was mentioning, and you heard the interview that he did with me and John Katsimatidis and others, basically saying that some of the jurors looked stunned when he was talking about a whole bunch of other emails that show a very different version of events than the grand jury's been presented by Michael Cohen. So did that give them pause? Does that delay everything? And could there be a chance that the president won't be indicted? Uh, I think the chances are slim to none. I think most likely he will be. And I think it could happen as early as tomorrow. Let's see where this goes. And boy, regardless, it is a sad day for justice if Alvin Bragg does bring the case against President Trump on this. You know it's bad when even Teddy is almost defending President Trump. I almost had a heart attack on that one. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jacqueline, line one. Jacqueline, your thoughts. Rita, you know, it's funny. Um, I heard the clip that you played with Professor Dershowitz saying that it seems the only excuse they could possibly have 
is that they were not able to serve President Trump because they didn't know where to find him. Well, I think everyone in the world knows where to find him. And if they're going to stand on that excuse, how are they going to arrest him if they don't know where to find him? So I, I, I can't understand. If that's their only excuse, that's a pretty sad excuse. Well, and, and the reason what he up. was saying, actually, Jacqueline, was he was saying that they didn't know how to serve him. Like, in other words, uh, you know, the whole statute of limitations where they had X amount of time that while he was in the White House. So technically, they kind of couldn't serve him while he was president. So in a way, he thinks they're going to argue like the statute of limitations. You know, you only, you're supposed to bring charges within X amount of years within a crime and a misdemeanor. It's two. And on the other, uh, I believe it's five. And so in this case, um, they're gonna, they could say, well, things were paused because he was president and he was traveling all over the world. So it was hard to keep track of him. I mean, you're kidding me. You couldn't keep track of the president of the United States. Like every part of this is a stretch, Jacqueline, every part. Uh, and, and it just seems like, it seems ludicrous, don't you think? Yes, it, it just seems like they are floundering. That's all I could say. They're yeah. floundering. Sure does. Sure does. Jacqueline, thank you very much. Um, let's go to Robert in, uh, Philly. Let's go to Robert. Your thoughts about this line three? What do you think, Robert, on all of this? Where do you think this is headed? How you doing, Rita? Um, I'm not going to. I don't pretend to know everything like like other callers, but so I don't know whether they're going to or not. But if they don't, we got played. They took Biden out of the headlines and maybe snag a few violent Republicans in the mix too. Do not protest no matter what they do. They're going to do this with Letitia James. They're going to do this with Georgia just to keep Biden out of the headlines. By the way, you're right. Do not protest peacefully, I say is okay. But don't get out of hand no matter what. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.